When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search. But what if you could get rid of the search and just match? You can with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hey, yes, you are officially rocking with the best. Appalachian States is the women's basketball invitational champion. The App State Mountaineers are going dancing. Celebrated App State Nation, it's happened. Welcome to another episode of the Ain't Nothing But an App State podcast. Here, co-host Brett Strelo is always with Pete. I almost said Pierre Banks. That's all. That's all. Is that awkward? I'm I'm not here with Pierre Banks. I'm here with Adam. As long Wade. as you don't call me A Dub, I'm good with it. A Dub. I think A Dub has to be officially retired now that uh, now that Pierre left us. Well, yeah, this is our first episode. Um, By the way, can I just can I just say this on the record, Pierre? If you're listening, and I know you are, I mean, he broke up with me over text. Ouch. You don't do that, man. You don't break up with somebody over a text message. You got ghosted almost. <laughs> I, I mean, I know it's not. I know it's not feasible for the two of us to meet in person, but a phone call. Come on, man. You guys have been through a lot. We have. We have. You know, off. We were off and on again, as mm-hmm. as you know. You know, between radio and TV, and we were off and on again for for over five years. That's a long. That that's a committed relationship. And and he broke up with me over text. Well, if it feels, makes you feel any better, he did drop off a box of things that belong to you in my office. Uh, I think there's some game programs. There might be some. Toothbrush. Yeah, just some stuff from some of the good times you guys had. Yeah. That, that picture of you oh, guys. I, I think A.J. I, Howard pictured with you guys in a press box. Maybe and Doug, Doug Middleton was in there. Yeah. Too. I, I don't know if I'm ready yet. I don't know. Okay. I don't know. I'm going to need a little more time. need more time. Anyway, sorry. Continue. I derailed. <laughs> well, this yeah, is, this he's is not our here. first episode <laughs> since, since Pierre. We're, we're excited for Pierre. Great opportunity. We think there's nobody who bleeds black and gold more than Pierre, and not just you know a lot of you all between 
seeing him perform on Saturdays and then, you know, his role in, in media stuff. Like, the other things he did around Boone were, were pretty amazing, just with the way he mm-hmm. you know, helped student-athletes, the, you know, community service stuff. Like, the list of things that that that, that man did was, was pretty incredible. So, you know, no pressure, Adam. Big shoes to fill, but we – Always had a smile on his face, and I, I will forever uh, remember Pierre. Not that he's gone for good, um, but he's just always such a positive person. Didn't matter. I mean – Look, we didn't we didn't lose many games in in our time of calling App State football, but even if we did, you look over at him and he's always going to have something positive to say. That man may have like come to work and had two flat tires and had to walk through the rain like 2 miles to go to go figure out a way to get a spare tire on his car and he'd come to work soaking wet and may have missed two meetings in the process that morning and be totally, you know, be completely overwhelmed with work. And I'd say, Pierre, you all right, man? He'd say, I'm blessed. I'm blessed. So always respected that guy for that. Well, we'll move on to some more current events things. There's a lot of stuff happening here on the mountain. We've we've given Pierre enough love, but for somebody who, you know, like you said, broke up with you over text, maybe we can we can move on now. We've yeah. Just yeah. look to the fu- a bright future, Adam. And part of that is this week a huge game at Kid Brewer Stadium on mm-hmm. Wednesday night, ESPN2. The 14th-ranked Coastal Carolina crew comes in to Boone. I don't know if we want to recap a little bit of – you know, Louisiana, move forward with that. App State's 4-2, and 1-1 mm. and one the league. And hopefully on this episode, we've got some exciting stuff. We've got Doug Gillen. We talked to him about this week's game coming up and some other things. We, we have an interview with Kevin Richardson, who was, you know, record-setting running back for App State during its national championship run in the FCS era. So excited to, to touch base with him and see what he's been up to. And, you know, we'll have a That's Money segment. Bailey Welch. We always give him a shout-out for some on-field, mic'd-up stuff that, that led us into that, and we'll finish up with a last one, best one. Uh, as a tribute to Angel Elderkin, the way mm. she, she does with her women's basketball crew. So uh, maybe start off on the football front, Adam. We can look back as much as we, we choose to, but um, definitely look forward to Wednesday night's game. Yeah, I mean, Tuesday night, I'm going to be interested. So, you know, later today I'm going to go and, and visit with Coach Clark and we're going to record our Mountaineer talk show and we're going to do our pregame interview. And I'm, I'm just curious to find out because it's so it's, it's just such a rare thing for, for App to have a game like that where you go on the road and you just, you know, just flat out got beat. And they did not play well, and Louisiana played great. You know, I, I got a text message from, from somebody affiliated with Louisiana after the game, and they said, I had no idea that the Buffalo Bills were going to show up wearing our uniforms. That's how well they came out and played. I mean, they brought their A game, credit to them. And so I'll be curious to see, you know, what do you do with that? Do you, how much of it do you try to go and learn from? How much do you try to just say, you know, we got to put that behind us and we got to move on? We know we're better than that. We know we're a great team. And let's just get refocused for, for Coastal Carolina. But, you know, the thing that we kept harping on at the end of that game, both, both myself and, and Noah Hannon, was, and, and I know it might have been tough for people to hear in the moment, it was, look, as, as, as tough as this one is to swallow, this does not change anything in terms of whether you control what happens at the end of the season and reaching your goals. Because that's a loss on the other side of the conference, on the, in the West Division. This game we're getting ready for a Wednesday night against Coastal Carolina. This is the one that can impact whether or not you control it. And you've already got one loss in the league. Coastal's unbeaten coming into this one. If you can win this one at home, now you're back in the driver's seat in the East Division. And maybe you play yourself into an opportunity to go back down to Lafayette at the end to play in a Sunbelt Championship game. That's a long way away. But 
if we focus on the micro of it, this one against Coastal, look, there, there's, there were a lot of tough feelings in that game in Conway a year ago. Coastal's coming in as, as the, as the top-ranked team in the conference. These two teams were picked co-favorites in the East Division before the season. And, you know, Coastal's been ranked consistently for over a year now in the top 25. And so this is a great opportunity for App State to be able to say, you know what, this is, we are still the top team in the East Division. And they got a chance to prove it, and they got a chance to continue to, to control their destiny in terms of what happens in the Sun Belt uh, despite everything that happened last week. So um, I'm curious to see how they try to put that aside and what, they're, what they've used in terms of how to fuel the team to get ready for this one and whether they've used that at all from last week because you don't need to. I mean, this game in itself provides all the motivation that you need. So um, I, I just can't wait to see what this stadium is going to look like when we get close to kickoff. It, it's, such a, it, it's, it's such a big game, and a lot of people are excited for it. And if it's anything like the atmosphere we had for that Thursday night at Marshall, it's, it's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, and I think one of the cool things about being an App State football fan, follower, supporter, is that the winning has come at such a high level that when there are challenges and adversity, that it is a it is a tough thing to deal with because you're not used to dealing with it. It's you so, right in the face yeah. because you're whoa, didn't expect that. Yeah. And so, and I think it's reasonable that you know if fans were you know angry, you know we're all you know I'm looking oh it could have been done differently and all that stuff, but you know I guess no the a no one prepares harder and hurts worse than the people who invest oh, so yeah. much of their time yeah. into it and we respect the passion that has made App State such a cool national brand with so much success with such a great atmosphere at the games that you know it's cool it's understandably upset but like all right it's done now yeah it's understandable you now, now it's game week and move on and get excited and help support these guys the, on Wednesday yeah. night. <laughs> the team has a 24-hour rule, win or lose, 24-hour rule. You're allowed to celebrate or you're allowed to uh, be upset for 24 hours and then you move on. And that's that's what they do, win or lose. But but to your point, the worst thing that could have happened from this game is for people just to be quiet. <laughs> because to me, that's apathy. And that's when you get to a place of apathy – in, in a program, that's the red flag. Yeah, we're all upset. We're angry. The team's angry. Coaches are angry. We're upset. We wanted things to go differently last Tuesday. Everybody did. And the fact that people are being very vocal about it, that comes with the territory of having a passionate fan base. And we would much rather have that, as tough as it could be to hear criticism, we would much rather have that than people just be like, eh, well, that was – that." that was terrible. Let's move on. I'm going to focus my attention on something else in my life and not going to care about any games the rest of the year. And, you know, that's, that's the part you don't want to get to. And we're certainly not there because our fan base is vocal and passionate. And, you know, that's what allows, that's what gives you the good times of, of having 30,000 plus at Kid Brewer stadium for a, for a home game. Yeah. If losing doesn't sting, then and that probably <laughs> things that are you, going what are you so doing well, right? yeah exactly <laughs> well we'll get a little bit more breakdown maybe of the specific matchup with coastal carolina in a bit um you know we have interview with doug gillen coming up but first let's go to our that's money do segment that's money dude all right for me this week that's money dude i'm gonna go with app state volleyball a big weekend up here in the high country a win on friday night against division leading louisiana and then follow that up with a sunday victory against ulm so 
for that's money, dude. I, you know, Coach Jennifer, I think he gave some credit to his staff too for for getting those, getting that crew on the right foot and heading into the weekend. Let's give some props to the Mountaineers on yeah. the volleyball court. Can I ask you a question though? And and certainly that getting that win over Louisiana, that team had been fighting so hard, and man, they've had some harp, they've had some tough losses coming into that one. But to see it all come together and get a big win over a really good team, and then finish it off with a sweep over the weekend as well. Yeah, big credit to, to Jenna Pro and, and the volleyball squad. Can I ask a question, though? Maybe I'm just not as, as tuned into the podcast, no pun intended, as I need to be. That's money, dude. Does that come from where I think it comes from? Is that, the, the, is that from a video? Yeah, so we Our might... character on, on the internet? Yeah, it's a TikTok chef, I believe. So Stale Cracker? <laughs> yes. Is his name? Okay, I wanted to make sure I was right on that. Yeah, I guess I should maybe Let's get it, dude. Some, yeah. So we mic'd up <laughs> okay. Bailey Welch during last baseball season. Okay. Bailey was a great one to do. And so as we come together and get the clips, they turn two, he's running off the field, and then Bailey's, his, his Randleman accent says, that's money, dude. <laughs> Put that on a cracker, dude. Put that on a cracker, <laughs> so, okay. dude. So maybe for those of you who are not familiar, you obviously heard the audio. Um, that That is – yeah, now baseball alum Bailey Wells. Okay, so. yeah, cooking up some jambalaya. <laughs> yeah. Or no, he his his go to is a pasta liar, pasta liar, dude. That's I'm, money right there. I'm not very good in the kitchen, but I've heard enough people say they get some of their pointers from TikTok chefs and cooks yeah. and some of those personalities that can't be all bad, right? Well, make sure when you when you come in to listen to this podcast that you're motivated and you're hydrated. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm glad you didn't break that any of that out in Baton Rouge or Lafayette <laughs> or any of that. <laughs> all right. Well, I'm glad that uh, that we were on the same wavelength as, as that one. But yeah, big big. Uh, that's money. Definitely, Coach Jenner Pro and the volleyball squad. Uh, great weekend for them. All right, well, we were able to sit down with uh, Doug Gillen, App State Director of Athletics, for a few minutes and talk to him about everything App State, but, you know, more particularly just, you know, the atmosphere that awaits this weekend and just, you know, some of the, the game day things that I know App State is trying to put on for the fans and just some of the messages that also Doug has for fans uh, with just that big national stage. So let's go right to our interview with Doug Gillen. All right, we're going to take a moment here to sit down with Athletics Director Doug Gillen. Brett, we, we've got a... We've got a real cool opportunity on Wednesday. You know, we, we talked so much. We tried to hit on this as much as we can during the broadcast on Tuesday that despite what happened down in Lafayette, everything is still in front of this team, right? And and you win this game, you're in the driver's seat for the East Division, maybe you get a chance to go play down at Lafayette for a Sunbelt title at the end of the year. Long way to go, but, man, I tell you, just you know, thinking about the atmosphere of that Marshall game and that Thursday night and, and what's coming up with this Coastal team rolling up the mountain and how much is at stake – I'm so excited. I'm glad we're going to get a chance to talk to Doug here for just a minute about it. Yeah, it'll be our first time having Doug on this platform with our uh, new podcast, so that's exciting. Um, yeah, just, you know, obviously we're all wanted a better result last week. There was mm -hmm. a time to, to grieve and get over that. Now it's a new week, and more than ever, you know, need App Nation to come out big, strong, and highest-ranked team ever to come to the Rock. So big-time game coming up on Wednesday night. I'm pumped, Doug. I know you got to be pumped for this one. This is gonna. This should be a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah, this is another big-time game for, for App State, and that's what we talk about why student-athletes want to come to App because you're going to play in nationally televised games that matter. And so here's another one. You know, a week later, to your point, uh, you know, you uh, you put that one behind us on Tuesday. You get up, the sun was shining the next day, and you figure out how you're going to get better, and I know Sean and his staff are doing that. And then for us, you know, we want to, you know, from an administrative staff, control what you can control. Mm -hmm. And, uh, again, we're you know, we're, we're looking at the numbers this morning. Um, this is uh, – going to be another crowd like Marshall, you know, to have 28,000-ish um, in the building, put on a great show for, 
for a national audience and, and, and support our student athletes. And that's what we're here for. And I know that's what our fans are, are all about and passionate about. Yeah. I want to talk about atmosphere here for just a second. And we've played these road games on midweeks. We've gone to Louisiana on a Tuesday. We've gone on the road on a Thursday night and we see what, how difficult it is for, for the crowds. You know, they're just, they do as best as they can. They get as many people in the stadium as they can. And we saw a pretty good atmosphere in Lafayette a week ago, but the Marshall game and, and hopefully what we're going to see for this coastal game, I think just really showcases how passionate our fans are and how much they, they make an effort to be here for, for when the Mountaineers play, no matter the night of the week. You can't do it for everybody. We understand that. But, man, you know, whatever that Marshall atmosphere just blew so many people away. Just how fortunate are we to be able to get 28,000 for a non-Saturday game? Yeah, and I'm sure both of y'all were like uh, like myself, you know, texts coming in, hey, your stadium looks amazing, you know, during the game, during that Marshall game. I expect the same. Looks like we're going to have 50s and great weather. Expect the same this Wednesday. Again, I, even when you look around the country, you know, you see a lot of close shots, and, you know, you didn't see that at App. Mm-hmm. You saw the wide shots that showed the whole stadium and the hill packed. Um, again, that's what we've always talked about, a unique place here at Kid Brewer Stadium, a unique, passionate fan base. And on a Tuesday night's tough in Lafayette, it won't be anything like we're going to see here tomorrow night here in Boone. And, um, and that's what makes this place special. Yeah, it's almost like a little bit of a challenge to the fans, a little bit of, hey, you proved you could do it once for the Marshall game. Let's, let's do it again because there's obviously those built-in challenges for some people. And they, they've gone and proven once that they can do that on a, on a midweek game. So let's do it again. Um, just Doug, you being on the field during that Marshall game, can you, you know, I know Coach Clark's talked about what an impact that made. You, we could see it in terms of that comeback in the fourth quarter of just what was it like even in the stadium for you to know what an impact fans like that have in a game for the home team. Well, I, I think you could obviously feel the energy throughout the game. Everybody stuck with us. Uh, the students were outstanding. Fans, you know, close game. Everybody stayed in until until the last, you know, last second. So yeah, you can tell being home in a big crowd like that. Last year we were on the road there. Um, same with Coastal. Last year we were on the road there. Um, so I'm expecting our fans to bring the energy that will really help our student-athletes on, on Wednesday night. And we also got to see the video of you, and I think Chase was down there with your son Chase, celebrating like crazy when Corey caught that touchdown <laughs> at the end of the game. Yeah. I love it. I I'm, love not, I'm not really sure. Actually, Leslie, my wife, showed me that first. She's like, yeah, one of my friends sent me this video. And, <laughs> and uh, Chase was actually a little more subdued than I was. I was a little excited. Oh, about you were pumped. <laughs> I, was a, I was excited about that. You know, you just you know how hard our student-athletes work in yeah. the off-season, pre-season, Day in and day out, and I, I don't know that all of our fans appreciate all the hard work they, that goes into that. Nobody after Tuesday night's hurting more than our coaching staff and our players. All the work they put in, you just really want to be there, support them, um, and it's when when they have success, you know, it just makes you feel really, really great about all the effort they put in. Yeah, I feel like there was a bowl game a couple of years ago. You 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 find your way into the corner sometimes and getting some of those shots, but people see the passion and excitement that you have invested in some of those plays. Maybe it was a Thomas Hennigan touchdown catch. It might have been. There's been a bunch of those, but I just it just makes you feel good. You you know how hard they work. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so what are you and your staff focused on in terms of game day atmosphere for, for this one? Because nationally televised, ranked team, huge game in the Sun Belt East. Uh, you know, our fans are going to be really excited about this one, expecting a ton of energy. But in, in terms of what to do with that energy in the stadium and, and making sure that things go smoothly as much as you can physically control what are what are you and your team kind of focused on right now well I think you know for there's two things to a you want to put on a good show and that, and that for us that is you know how do you get your tickets so you know do you have all your tickets and parking do you you know do you get into the lots on time 
it's a customer service. We're in the customer service world. So we want to make sure pregame everybody gets where they need to get, including Coastal Carolina. You know, so we want to make sure that we invite their fans in. We welcome and that's the, that's what makes college football um, because the passion of both fan bases, quite frankly. And we want them to come and enjoy their game here. So I know for personally, when I was out walking around the lots before the Marshall game, I was welcoming everybody in green that I could. And I will do the same here um, when Coastal Carolina comes in personally to welcome all of them to boom. Um, you know, we're going to help them set up their pregame tailgate through the Alumni Association. That's what people do for us on the road. That's what we expect to welcome our uh, opposing fans here on the road when they come visit Boone. This is such a special place. It's, nobody, Somebody said it to me the best the other day is, we want everybody. We know how special Boone is. We want everybody to experience how special Boone is, whether they happen to be supporting the opposing team or not. I just think that's what makes college football great. So we're going to do all of that pregame. Then we're working on all of our video board scripts. How do we um, – How's, what's the open sound like? What's the open look like? Is there any special music that we could put together? And, you know, the one thing I've learned is no matter what music you play, it doesn't please everybody. Yeah. <laughs> it not, you get you never got 100%. So we're working with our staff on that. And um, last, uh, last game we had a consultant come in from the NFL to kind of look at our video board operations mm. and kind of tell us, hey, you could do something a little bit different here, a little bit different there. We'll put some of those things into play. Um, this Wednesday night. And then I'll tell you what's really important for me is crowd control. You know, you know, we all looked at what happened uh, this past weekend, you know, at different games, what would have happened kind of across the country at different games. We want to make sure, you know, something as simple as you don't throw anything on the field. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, it seems like you shouldn't have to tell people that. But, but we were, you know, we got to make sure we tell people that. And if they do it, they got to be out of the game and maybe out of support and App State Athletics. Like, there's got to be some accountability. So we'll be making sure that we check um, everything that's coming in, no objects that can be thrown. And honestly, Adam, um, I really think between you and Brett, like, I'm, I'm hopeful that our fan base isn't won't do that right you know they can look at what happened at schools across the country and say like that does that really how you want to represent Appalachian State and um, I remain hopeful that we won't have to deal with that but you got to prepare for it and uh, you know our students have been great unbelievable almost 10,000 students a game we'll get some messaging out to them it's like we need you loud and proud black and gold but represent us the right way. And we talk to our student athletes about that. You know, always rep you're always representing something bigger than yourselves. So on national television on Wednesday night, all of the fans, and we think there's going to be about 30,000 of us together, representing Appalachian State, we just want to do it the right way. Because that's, that's what Mountaineers do. And so that's the thing that, you know, we're working on. You know, we don't, we, we don't anticipate a problem. But you always got to plan for that. And certainly we saw some of the things uh, this past weekend, as we talked about before we got on the air, that really can you know, go from having a passionate fan base and something that everybody's really, really proud of, proud of to something that you can be embarrassed of, too, if you, if you don't do it the right way. Yeah, and we've seen it doesn't take many people. Uh, you know, a large group can behave the right way, but, you know, a few bad apples can spoil it. And now everyone's got phones. And you are on that national television platform for that of, you know, I guess you touched on it all, but that finding that balance between being a passionate, loud fan base that makes it a, you know, a challenging environment for the road team, but still not stepping over that line of just trying to, trying to create that balance where it's hard to come in here and play, but it's, it still maintains that, that classy atmosphere and, and does it the right way. Yeah, and I think you're right on. And, and, you know, one of the things that anybody can say is, well, you know, we've been to a lot of stadiums collectively across the country and in the Sun Belt, and, and not all, all the time are our student athletes and 
our guests treated um, that way. And I think maybe it goes back to, um, you know, what our grandparents told us, parents told us, always treat somebody the way you want to be treated. Mm -hmm. And so, like, we don't want to. I I know that I've told uh, Leslie, my wife, I'm like, I wouldn't advocate you going to this particular stadium. On uh, For us, when we're on the road. Like, I would never want somebody to say that about Boone and about App State and about our university and our alums and everybody that's come through here that represents this great university. So we got a chance to represent this great university the right way on the field, in the stands, on Wednesday night, and I'm, I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. I think it's going to be a great night. I think our fans are going to come out and do great things, and we just want to make sure that they, um, they all do it the right way. Yeah, I mean, the, the reality is leading up to the game and right around kickoff, this atmosphere is going to be incredible, and that's what people are going to be talking about around campus, on our broadcast, on, on ESPN. And if App was to come out and, and win this game, that would be an amazing thing, and we'd be talking about a huge win, getting back on track. But if, if things start getting captured on camera that don't represent this place the way that we all hope that it will be, that's all people are going to be talking about. That's all the narrative's going to be, and we don't want to do anything to take away from what could be a, a potentially a great accomplishment by this team and a great showcase for this university on, on a Wednesday night. And, and that's all we're really saying here. Yeah, and I think you're right. I, I mean, I, I don't know about you. You drove up the mountain today, but first thing I did this morning, part on College Sports Radio, very first thing they were talking about is, is a university where – the fans really didn't do it the right way and mm-hmm. were throwing stuff, 20-minute delays, really embarrassed the university. And we'll go back to where we started. Looking forward to a great, great night, great atmosphere, 30,000 people cheering on App Nation um, on national television representing us the right way. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's we're really excited. Um, anything else in terms of uh, game operations and, and other things that, that are happening around your conversations, your meetings, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll put the crowd control thing away. Hopefully people get the point that we're trying to get across here, but anything else for Wednesday night it, that people should be uh, thinking about? Well, and I th- just come early, you know, mm-hmm. come early, be loud, wear your black and gold. And I do think, you know, uh, concessions, parking, staffing still an issue that yeah. has not gone away. Um, you know, we're working just like we have for Elon and Marshall, get as many people as we can here, um, to, to make sure that we staff it the right way. So just be patient. We're, you know, we'll have the numbers, but we won't have the numbers we had three years ago. Like mm-hmm. it, it's just the dynamic has changed in the, in the labor market. So we'll continue to get that right. All hands are on deck from athletic direct, uh, athletic department standpoint, including myself, that we'll all be working um, extra diligently that whatever it's taking tickets. So we got everybody doing everything that night. Yeah. But that, that's, that's the big thing. We expect a big, big night and, and, um, a lot of passion and pageantry here in Boone. Well, with this podcast, we're you know putting these out maybe on a, kind of a monthly basis, and this is a chance for you to kind of touch base with the fans and a different way to interact with them a little bit. Um, it's probably hard to answer in a very quick, precise way, but just from a big-picture state of App State Athletics while we have you, what are some of those other things aside from what we've already talked about that are you know kind of the, those big-picture topics that fans are interested in that you can give a little bit of an update on? Well, yeah, well, we could talk realignment for a long, long time, right, <laughs> Ooh, Adam? Yeah, we, we, could. <laughs> we hit that. Let's lay out uh, all the scenarios. We, we hit that all. All, um, all broadcasts <laughs> just know that that uh, our student athletes, our coaches, our staff have put us in a really good position to to do what's best for App, and it could be staying the Sun Belt, could be Ad, could be looking at different other scenarios. And I do think the good news is you're we're running uh, multiple different scenarios and different paths to make sure that we can figure out the best plan for Appalachian long term. 
we are very, very proud of what you know what the Sun Belt's done, what we've done in the Sun Belt, and how we position ourselves in the Sun Belt, and how the Sun Belt's positioned itself nationally. So really good stuff there. I think you know we, you, I always talk about our 18 straight semesters over a 3.0. You mm-hmm. know the academic we we recruit student athletes that can compete in the classroom first and foremost. Our coaches do a great job with that. Continue to be as we mentioned, like whether it's you know somebody scoring a touchdown or you know winning a field hockey game yesterday, three one, or winning two volleyball games this weekend knowing all the work that our student-athletes put in um, and having them see success competitively continues to be the highlight for me. And, you know, we got we got this fall. Our goal is all of our teams, our goal is to be in the NCAA tournament. How are we going to get to the NCAA tournament? Dustin Kearns got us there. Last year, Don, John Mark got seven, the most wrestlers ever. We had Jason Allison and Turto get to from a golf. That needs to be a trend that continues, and mm-hmm. we look forward to continuing to put our coaches in the best position to get student-athletes that can compete in the classroom and get us um, winning conference championships and NCAA championships. So we continue to make strides in that regard. Last year was one of our best years in a COVID year, getting big picture competitively, um, continuing to be great academically, continuing to represent the university the right way. So that's probably not precise, uh, <laughs> Brett, but, but um, you know, those are our, our goals, graduate our student athletes, um, win championships, represent our university the right way. I want to ask you just one question, realignment, and not necessarily – we're not here to speculate um, because I, I agree. We talked about this in the pregame show on Tuesday that, you know, people may think that the grass is greener on the other side. I always – I like to subscribe to the theory that the grass is greener where you water it. And and so for that standpoint, you know, let's make the Sun Belt the best possible situation that we can. When it comes to – priorities in terms of what makes sense from a from a realignment standpoint or an adding uh people members to the conference uh, my theory and, and then you tell me where i'm right or wrong my my theory is that it's it's the misconception is that it's about getting a, a better media rights deal and and to me i just don't know that that pot of gold is going to be out there it, for me it, it it seems like the top priority at least from a financial standpoint is financial responsibility right the 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 expenses, the operating costs of, of, you know, adding people in different parts of the country. And, and that has to be such a big priority, at least from a financial. There's a lot of reasons to do what you want to do. But to me, it's more about maintaining the operations cost and not necessarily trying to chase down what could be a fictitious media rights deal in somewhere else. Yeah, and I think and I think there is a little bit of a misconception uh, on media rights. Like some folks might think, that because we're playing on a Wednesday night on ESPN that we're getting paid a bunch more money. That's that's a fallacy. No, mm-hmm. no, we don't make any more money. Actually, the fact that we're playing on a Wednesday night on ESPN, we're losing significant dollars by not playing on a Saturday. Right. And so, you know, we, we don't want to, you know, the the good news is um, we're, we've, we've really grown the perception of the brand nationally. So we've got a great partner in ESPN that wants us on national TV. So we'll be on national TV three times um, in the first six weeks. You know, whether, but 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 midweek. You know, the Tuesday night in Lafayette, a Wednesday night against uh, Coastal, and then a Thursday night against Marshall. And so some of those, you know, you, the media rights isn't because you're on midweek you're getting paid more money. It, that, that's not the case for us. And we're a little bit unique um, in any league, quite frankly, in the group of five that we would be in, is that we pack the house. Mm-hmm. You know, unique in any league that we would be in is that we have the passion and pageantry we talked about with our fan base. So when you play a midweek, that's not necessarily, you know, you're trading a little bit of the um, national exposure for l- real dollars that are lost at the gate. Mm-hmm. 
So when you talk about realignment in that context, you always want to consider. Now, so just think about this. This is maybe it goes back to the big picture, what Brett was talking about. If you sit back and think about it, you got six opportunities. Um, and, and by far, our revenue potential, besides the support we get from the students, our next biggest revenue potential is football. And whether that's parking, whether that's concessions, whether merchandise, ticket sales. Okay, that makes up the bulk of the rest of the money that we've generated. You know that if it's family weekend, no problem, sold out. Uh, homecoming, no problem, sold out. First game of the year, typically whoever we're playing, sold out. This year, Jerry Moore, you know, obviously mm-hmm. sold out. Um, okay, so then you got three more that you're working with. So if those three were regionally uh, somebody regional, where their fan base was going to come. You know, we've seen it with Charlotte. Charlotte comes, we sell out, we go there, we sell out. Marshall comes, we sell out, we go there, we sell out. So there's other opportunities like that, and we've tried to do that in the non-conference, you know, Mm. create those opportunities, and then not put them on one of those other three guaranteed sellouts, so maybe that's four, five, and six. Those are the things that, you know, when you look at it. And, by the way, when I'm talking about regionally, it goes exactly to what you're talking about is their bus trips. Yep. You know, every time you get on a plane, you get on a plane and fly to – Lafayette, you know, that's expensive. Get back 6 o'clock in the morning. When you think about it, like those those midweek games for our student-athletes, too, like they're leaving on a Monday, they're playing on a Tuesday, get back at 6 or 7 o'clock in the morning on a Wednesday. That's tough for academics as well. So trying to find that blend, Adam, like you talk about, there's ESPN's awesome. Got to stay there. All right, Sun Belt, we got we to gotta continue to be in a, a conference that's growing. For, take out the names. It's grown, and we're you know number two conference. And and then how do you continue to have some of these regional, either re rivalries <laughs> or rivalries, yeah. um, get them back going? And I think that's one of the things that, that everybody's trying to look at. You know, um, if you're in the state of Texas, you're saying, okay, how do I get more gates? You know, mm-hmm. from schools that are in closer proximity. Same in the state of Louisiana or whoever it might be. And yeah, just as this conversation comes circle, comes full circle, it kind of goes back to our starting point of just how important it is for fans to come yes. on Wednesday night for you know whether it's season tickets or you know single game tickets of just what that means to, to the overall big picture and especially you know the performance performance on the field and just you know for how this whole thing fits and works together. <laughs> well, I'm glad you mentioned that, and just you know to finish because I've been long winded, but. That all fits together, right? So you were talking about how our fan base behaves. What's your perception nationally? How does how does it look on national television? The crowd's 28,000. Great. But you look at, like we mentioned some schools yesterday. Yeah, they had great crowds. But then everybody's talking about them the next, the next day. So all of this um, play fits together. When you're looking at potential partners, potential partners are looking at you as, all right, do your fans show up? How do they act, <laughs> right? How do they represent your university? That That's all part of it. And so we, we always want to put our best foot forward no matter what context um, and scenario we're in. And, and, and I think we'll do that on Wednesday night. One more question just before we, we get you out of here on, on winter sports. You know, we're, we're three weeks from the start of basketball season for the men and the women. We've got wrestling coming up in varsity gym. Any any indications on what it's going to look like in terms of attendance, capacities, limitations? As you know, we're, we're, still, we're still in it right now in terms of the pandemic, and we've been able to have outdoor crowds with, without any capacity restrictions. Any idea or, or, or different scenarios that are being played out right now in terms of indoor attendance for, for basketball? ball for wrestling and the like yeah i think that you know again right now like we all are in so inside you got masks i don't know if that'll change or not change i do think that we have um, been talking with the sun belt looks like you know crowds inside 
um, will be no problem. We'll have a little bit more of a buffer zone or similar to buffer zone, you know, in and around the court than mm-hmm. we did last season in and around the team as we've done last season. But certainly, you know, you know, knock on wood here, uh, you know, we won't go back to, you know, a total of 80-some people right. allowed in the stadium. At least right now, we're planning on um, full arenas, uh, maybe masked, maybe not. At least today it would be. And then a little bit more of a buffer zone. Other than that, feel really good about um, – and, and, you know, Dustin Kearns has done a great job. Angel's done a great job scheduling some really good. Mm. Um, and and so has so is John Mark. I mean, you, when you look at some of our non-conference uh, and, and even some conference – a really good schedule that's appealing to fans. So I'm really excited about looking at the home center, maybe as crowded as I've ever seen it. Yeah, I mean, I'm the wrestling SID, so I'll plug. You know, <laughs> NC State, North Carolina, Campbell, all coming to varsity gym. And, so, and then, you know, like you said, the strong basketball schedule. So, yeah, I'm excited we had a chance to talk to you, and especially on a big week like this, for fans to be able to hear directly from you with, with so many different things going on in Boone. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. Thanks, Doug. All right, so that was Doug Gillen, App State Director of Athletics. Um, Adam, what kind of takeaways did you have from, from what Doug was able to share with us? Well, you know, it's uh, first of all, I, I, could, I could sit there and just talk realignment with him for, for hours. It, it, it comes up on our pregame show every week, and uh, I, I am still a, a firm believer, and, and I really wanted to try to get this across, is what, is, what are the priorities and what's, and what's reality when it comes to whatever the next phase of, of the Sun Belt or App State Athletics looks like, um, because I think there are some misconceptions out there, and I think Doug did a good job of, of really clarifying all of those. But the, the big topic that we wanted to focus on was certainly the Coastal Carolina game. And to me, you know, we saw, we saw some pretty ugly stuff over the weekend on television and college football in terms of things happening in the stadium. And I, I want to just drive home what – what I said at the end of that interview, which is let's not have a situation where you've got this amazing atmosphere at the start of the game. It is people are jealous. And I think I can use that word. People are jealous about the atmosphere that this place can get for a non-Saturday game. We had 28,000 for the Marshall game. Incredible atmosphere. Best I've ever seen for a non-Saturday game. We're expecting another huge crowd for a Wednesday night game, and it is tough to get an atmosphere. We've been on the road in these places, in, not just in the Sun Belt, but in other conferences too, and it's tough to get a great atmosphere for a non-Saturday game. We have it. That's going to be good vibes. If App can win this game, that's a huge win. Gets them back on track. Gets them in the driver's seat for the East Division. That's going to be a huge talking point of, positive, of positivity. If, if, something, if something happens at the end of the game, and there's going to be cameras and phones everywhere, so it's going to get noticed. And if it goes viral again and, and something happens at the end of this game, that's all people are going to talk about. Thursday morning, if you're driving and you're listening to SiriusXM or talk, talk radio somewhere and you hear about App beating Coastal Carolina, we don't want people talking about things that happened because of, 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 a few, of a few people doing something that doesn't represent the whole of, of our crowd. We have a great fan base. We have a tremendous fan base. We all know that. But sometimes it, it, the, it can get ruined. The reputation can get ruined fairly or unfairly by just a, a couple people making bad decisions. And we don't want that to be the narrative if App happens to win this game. We want people talking about what a great performance by the team, what an awesome bounce back, huge win, great atmosphere, 
all positive things. But if something happens with, with people making bad decisions in the stadium, that's not what they're going to be talking about the next morning. And, and to me, like that's that's the thing that I take away from, from Doug's interview, and, and I really want to try to do what I can to drive that home to as many people as, as are listening to, to this pod. What about you? Yeah, I mean, the same thing of just, you know, come, be loud, make it hard for Coastal to play here, but don't overstep those boundaries yeah. and those lines that go from – Hey, this is a tough place to play. To hey, this is you know not a this is not right. <laughs> and you know there are things with you know in the past the visiting team dressed in the Quinn Center across the street. And I know I know visiting teams hated that. They did not like walking up that hill, whether it was in gravel or stairs or mm-hmm. whatever. And you know, thankfully with the new North End Zone building, we probably have the nicest visiting locker room in the country. Oh, without question, <laughs> <laughs> that was done because there is that space available to visiting teams, not in some way to try to create this weird tunnel of you know coming through the home area but now logistically space wise they do come out and go down that the old tunnel that the home team used to go out there so you know certainly they're we want it to be allowed you know hostile in some levels to make them and you know do you, can you can the crowd play a factor in intimidation or just whatever you hope so you try to <laughs> but just be respectful of that space in ways that that won't come back to give a black eyed app state <laughs> yeah and and I, I love doug's point about the fact that we want to be welcoming because we want that at other places. When we go to Marshall next year and when we make trips to, to – when we have to go back to Coastal Carolina next year, you know, we want – yes, of course, it's going to be competitive and those those competitive juices are going to be flowing. But at the same time, like, we want it to be a respectful situation. That's what happens when we go to Louisiana. When we go to Louisiana and, and they come up here – there is a mutual respect there, and I think that's a good example of, of the way that, that a, a rivalry between two really good teams can exist in a way where it is you want to win with every fiber of your being as a fan, but at the same time, you know, you're going to do it in, in a respectful way. And, and I hope that we can do that regardless of who the opponent is that's coming up here. I mean, look, talk your smack, have fun with it, you know, yell as loud as you can, but don't do anything that's going to where you're going to put people down in a way that 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 is just going to come off as you know not representative of the type of atmosphere that we want to create and so yeah I, I think Doug's saying like yeah we want to make sure that people feel while yes they are the visiting team we want them to feel welcomed and that they're going to be safe and that they're going to leave here and say okay regardless of what the outcome of the football game was they still had a good experience while they were here. So, yeah, the game Wednesday night didn't get moved Saturday to ESPN Game Day or anything like that. Like a Really? Lot of I thought that was happening. <laughs> Wrong answers only, Adam. When we, find, when we do host Game Day, yeah. where, where are we setting up that set? It was, you know, it was fun to we – were, we were hanging around the hotel before the Louisiana game. We were just kind of talking about, hey, you know, if, if, if – I'm going to say when. When Game Day eventually comes to, to Kid Brewer Stadium in Boone, where would they set up, right? Because – before Duck Pond Field would have been, I think, the obvious choice. Well, that's not there for you. So we were having fun, just kind of going about going through scenarios. But wrong answers only. Uh, I'll start with Howard's Knob. Okay, yeah, the top of Howard's that's, that's Knob. That's a good one. Yeah, that, the backdrop there. <laughs> I know during the Sun Belt Championship a couple of game, years ago, the trophy made its way up there uh-huh. with some good pictures. So uh-huh. how about the flat top fire tower? Just climb Ooh. up there and have that set and everybody down. It might yeah. be, you know, maybe it's not very car friendly, but. Uh, I think that would be pretty cool. Yeah. I'll say, um, I mean, because, gosh, you've got so many great places around, not just campus, but around town. 
which by the way, I think the, the wrong answer is part of this. I don't know if the best thing is trying to figure out where you're going to put the crowd <laughs> around the stage. You could put a stage for game day in a lot of different places, but, but, but where are you going to put it? Um, I'll say the, the Linco viaduct out All on the right. parkway. <laughs> Just looking out to everything around you. The fact we were able to get a uniform reveal video, I think Noah, your trusty partner, was able to do it at the you know Mile High Swinging Bridge. Yep, yep. If on grandfather, could, yeah, yeah. Just, just get those guys to come across up sure. there, and that you know. <laughs> what about other campus spots? Sanford Mall. Yeah, that would be uh, that could be interesting. <laughs> that, that one makes too much sense. Yeah. yeah, so that's not a wrong answer then. So. But yeah, I look forward to the day that that will happen. We're, we're guaranteeing at some point it will happen. It's just not happening this week. But um, I'm not sure how that got started. <laughs> I'm not sure how that got started. But uh, that that was not a thing that I had heard of around here in terms of. I mean, look, this. I think this would have been the time to do it if it was on a Saturday. But um, but uh, no, that was that wasn't something that was ever really on the table. But it is going to happen at some point. It is going to happen. This place. This place is just too spectacular. This this the experience here is just too great for for it not to happen at some point. Well, I appreciate Mark Packer who you know has North Carolina ties um, with his you know XM show that comes on at 4 p.m. every day. He was running through. I think a fan called in and asked like, "Hey, what are my like must see places? I've been." And he named off like ten of the you know the ones that would probably come to mind immediately of you know a lot of SEC schools and stuff like that. And you know Mark ran through a couple of Power Five. He's like, you know. If you haven't been to Boone, North Carolina, mm-hmm. like that, you need to make that trip for the level of football, the facilities, the atmosphere, the setting for all those different things. So, I feel like you know there's a lot there's a lot of appeal for to put that on a national stage at some point. Sure, and you know ESPN.com wrote about it in terms of like the ultimate college football tailgate tour. Um, you know, Boone always seems to make the list of hey, this is this is that. If nationally, and I think people in this area and certainly regionally know about Boone, North Carolina, but if you're speaking to a national audience like ESPN.com, they think, okay, you know, you go to the South, you want to go to the, you know, you want to go to the SEC environments and places like that, but don't forget about Boone, North Carolina, great college town, beautiful, especially in the fall. And, and, and they play amazing football up there as well. And so more and more people are starting to find out about this place nationally for a lot of good reasons, and it's, it's going to happen at some point. It is. Well, before we get into the interview with Kevin Richardson, it was exciting to, to catch up with him a little bit. Let's actually break down a little bit, or pretty quickly, the Coastal Carolina matchup. What mm. stands out to you just on the field for what will be important for App State to be successful? I mean, Coastal's offense is what stands out initially. They are putting up amazing numbers. You know, Grayson McCall, is he has not had a sophomore slump this year. He's, he's, putting, he's playing at, a, a, it seems like, an even higher level than he did last year. I think the interesting thing about Coastal is it's different because I remember when we were going into the Georgia State game, you look at their their record and their numbers, and their record wasn't great, but you say, man, they played a tough schedule. They played Army. They had played Auburn. They had played North Carolina. They played Charlotte. And you said, okay, this record is deceiving. This is a really good team despite what their record says. Coastal Carolina, this is going to be their this is going to be their toughest test of the year from a competition perspective. I mean, they they have not played the same level of competition as as we saw with a with a Georgia State or even a, a Louisiana from a week ago. So now, I don't, against air, it's tough to put up 
some of the numbers that they're putting up from an offensive perspective. Isaiah Likely is a tight end who PFF's number one tight end in the country. Uh, Javon Hiley is a really talented receiver that we've known about for a few years, and they've got a stable of running backs back there that are super talented. So it's a very unique offense, a, a triple option look, but does things in, in a lot of different ways, and they're very efficient. They, they move the ball well. They get positive yardage. They're one of the top offenses statistically in the country. And, and I think, Brett, the thing that, that I'm looking forward to seeing in terms of what could help to determine the outcome of this game is big plays. Coastal has had a ton of big plays this year. In their last game against Arkansas State, they had four touchdowns of over 60 yards, two over 90 yards. And that was an issue for App's defense against Louisiana, just giving up too many big plays. And so if, if the Mountaineers can tighten that up defensively and, and not allow Coastal to get those big plays, because they used that in the game a year ago. You recall their first touchdown was the first snap from scrimmage, Isaiah Likely over the top for a touchdown. If they can contain those big plays um, and make Coastal work for everything that they need offensively, then I think you know that then Coastal's offense maybe becomes an identity that they're not used to at least for this portion of the season. So big plays, particularly when Coastal has the ball, is something that I'm going to be focused on for this one. Yeah, I mean there was if you like go back and dissect last year's game, for the most part, like our the App State defense did an amazing job of you know handling the running game and like they were just a statue looking like man that just really disciplined, aggressive football. Mm-hmm. And there's always that but. <laughs> you know, sometimes it's happened with Georgia State or Georgia Southern through the years of you can bottle it up for nine, ten plays in a row, but that one that hits yeah. can, can really come back to bite you. And, you know, I think McCall had that big touchdown run after halftime to go mm-hmm. on top of the, the play you said, and likely such a dangerous threat because you can use your aggressiveness against you. But just it can be hard to read that that offense. So we knew in the past, maybe pre-Grace and McCall, Coastal was that team that would maybe pound out like – a 17-play, 90-yard drive that took 10 minutes off the clock. Mm-hmm. This year, you know, we'll see if, you know, like in the past, App State did a good job of kind of creating those those tough down and distance for them, but then just those those couple plays would pop, and, you know, you can't discount that. Those were game-changing plays. But just seeing if App State can go back and playing that aggressive defense that maybe looked like it was, you know, just was kind of out of sorts and just didn't quite – just things didn't work out great in Lafayette to – get that aggressiveness and that speed and flying all around the field back, but do it in a disciplined way that doesn't create some of those openings. Yeah. Who, who are you looking at as a potential playmaker, a, a game-changing type of player or two for, for App in this one? I want to see DeMarco Jackson back. He had such a great start to the year, mm-hmm. and you know, just the defense as a whole um, you know, didn't have the showing it wanted to at, at Lafayette. And it starts with you know the guy who was leading among the national leaders in tackles tackles for loss sacks so if he can be disruptive and you know whether it's keying on Grayson McCall or you know if it is in coverage or just all the different things because he does so many different things for the defense yeah I feel like if he's flying around making stops whether it's in the backfield or breaking up passes that's a good sign for App's defense when he's all over the field <laughs> yeah yeah and and I'm looking at the the secondary for, for App State you know that is that's become such a thin area because of injuries or you know you had the the targeting penalty for Nick Ross that kept him out of the first half against Miami you know it's great to see Caden Smith back but he's not he wasn't quite able to play full amount of snaps just yet, but he's getting back to full speed. We had Sean Jolly's injury in the game on uh, in the game a week ago in Louisiana, and so there was a point there where you know the App State defense was having to put a true freshman, a very talented true freshman, in Travis McNichols out there for some important snaps down the stretch. So 
uh, the, the secondary is, is going to be tested because of what Coastal's offense is. But it'll be interesting to see with, with so many guys kind of battling back from some injuries, interesting to see what kind of rotations we see in the secondary in this game and, and how that could impact what they're able to do defensively. We'll head now to our interview with Kevin Richardson, who is somewhat relevant to this current team because his record still stands, but Chandler Staten's creeping up on him in the career points. Yeah, Mark, Chandler passed Armani Edwards uh, for second place pretty recently, and so Kevin is still number one. Uh, it'll be kind of a nip-and-tuck battle probably at the end to see how that goes, but, you know, and Adam, you know his story so well um, mm-hmm. of just you know where he started his career and where he finished it, um, just for the amazing things that Kevin was able to do in Boone. It's amazing, you know. He he came in and you know he's still not a really big guy, but when when he first came in, I mean he was he was small, and and you look at him and you say, wow, you know, is it could could this guy develop to be a big time running back? But they saw something special in terms of his skills, his smarts, his vision, and you know, the rest of it kind of took care of itself. And so, you know, he was never ended up being a super big guy, but man, was he strong. He had just, he had strong legs, would never go down on first contact. It always seemed like he would get hit, but he always kept his legs moving. And, you know, the, the one, the one play that I remember, you know, he had, I mean, you know, because he has a scoring record, he scored more touchdowns than, than anybody on the ground. And, the play that I remember of him that kind of showcased the type of runner that he was when I talk about that physical style, even for someone his size um, and those strong legs, was the, the play that sealed the first national championship in 2005, where the Mountaineers just needed to pick up one more first down to be able to run out the clock against Northern Iowa. And Kevin Richardson had one of those typical quintessential K rich runs where he gets hit, keeps fighting, keeps fighting, keeps fighting, and eventually gets enough yardage to, to move the chains, get the first down. And then the Mountaineers could just, you know, take a knee and run out the clock and, and win that first title. That, that was the play that I think stands out most to me with, with, with someone that has so many touchdowns over his career, the one that just helped to illustrate the type of player and the, the, the guts that he had, the grit that he had running with the football that play to clinch the 05 title game was the one that I'll always remember in terms of what best describes the type of player Kevin Richardson was. Yeah, he might be too young to be an App State legend, but he's an App State legend undoubtedly. So here's mm-hmm. our interview with um, App State alum running back Kevin Richardson. And for today's podcast, we are welcoming a special guest, former App State running back Kevin Richardson. Won three national titles uh, here in Boone as a running back. National titles in 05, 06, 07. Hopefully that doesn't make you sound or feel too old. I guess, Kevin, first off, thanks for joining us. How have things been? Man, thanks for having me. Things been good, just living life, getting old, just trying to figure it out still. Man, you're still pretty young, right? <laughs> yeah. My body don't feel that way, though. <laughs> I feel you. This summer, 2021, among the big things happening, you're among the legends that are being honored in the summer's Legends Gala, so it's cool to have you back on campus. I don't know, I think you were telling me of how often you're able to get back on campus, but it seems like you've been able to be here around a little bit. Things have changed a little bit since you were your playing days. Yeah, I'm happy to be here. I often don't get to come back because uh, at the time I was in NASCAR, you know, we would normally race when the guys were playing, so I wouldn't be able to make it up, but I plan on coming back this year and check out a few games. What's it like seeing... The new building is now the old building uh, that was, you know, kind of the 
victory over Michigan helped propel a lot of the fundraising and support for this new building and then the North End Zone project which is brand brand new um, to see that what's it like to come back here and see what Kid Brewer Stadium looks like now it's amazing man it's like night and day um, I'm happy for the guys that they get to experience what they have here you get to play in front of large crowds it's just big time now you know and that's a great thing to be a part of do you have a sense of pride or you know that you feel like you or at least part of contributing to, to some of that with the successes you guys had, whether it's the Michigan game or the three straight titles that kind of helped build the foundation for what this has become. Yeah, we take pride in it. The whole team at that time, we took pride in everything we did. That's how we were able to get to the levels. Hopefully the guys continue the tradition and keep building so this place will get bigger and bigger. Well, I think a lot of people know you know your story, but maybe don't know as much about just kind of how you got to Athlete. You refresh us. I know you went to East Blade High School. I worked in Fable for a long time, so I, I know that area pretty well. <laughs> this state's so wide; it's still it's not that close. It's still a little yeah. ways away, a little, a little different, a little hotter than the mountains. But uh, you can take us through. I know you had an outstanding career as a running back in high school. How mm-hmm. you ended up here on the mountain? Man, I really don't know how I ended up here. My coach, Coach Fisher, at the time, he was a guy. He knew Coach Spear. Coach Spear was the running back coach here at App State, so they brought me up on a little visit. Coach Spear told me to come to the school as a preferred walk-on, so I did. I got to come up early with the guys and got to compete, you know, with the starting lineups, and I got to show the guys who I was and where I'm from. I guess go through that first fall camp because you played a significant role as a, as a true yeah. freshman. To, did I read that you maybe started off in number 42 or something like that? <laughs> yeah. What was that like, just kind of the expectations you had, maybe that motivation and determination to – you know, either prove other people wrong or just kind of to make the best out of, out of your situation. Yeah, starting off with 42 sucked. <laughs> you know, no one really wanted that number. Well, I didn't at the time. As I came in, you know, I had 42, and I'm like, no one's going to, you know, respect the guy with 42 on. <laughs> so once my time came and I got the coaches started giving me more reps, I got to show and prove what I could do, and I got to become a part of the lineup and got to play in the games, got to play with Richie, got to learn a lot from those guys. So how'd you end up in 28 then? Was that, what was, do you remember that story? As soon as the coach gave me the opportunity to switch the number, I switched it. I wanted 20, but uh, Clint Manuel had it at the time. That was my number I had in high school. So I said, why not try 28? I thought it was a pretty number. Um, I used to like Marshall Fault and Ward Dunn, so I just tried to put on that number and be a superhero like those guys were. Yeah, true freshman year, Kevin. I think rushed for almost 400 yards, played a big role, and then things really jumped off that sophomore year. Um, did you see a jump in maybe your preparedness, or what enabled you to kind of take that leap as a sophomore? Well, my freshman year, Alan Atwater was the running back at the time, so he was the starter, you know, and no one really knew me, and I was still trying to prove myself, so I didn't get to play as much. And so something happened with Alan where he wasn't able to play anymore. And I knew that I was going to be the next guy in line. I knew that was a big, you know, big chair to fill. So I prepared that summer, me, Jason Hunter. Like a lot of the guys from the team, we stayed here all summer. Normally guys go home and go spend time with family, but a lot of the guys stayed and showed all that dedication. We got to build. I was in the weight room. I got bigger, stronger, faster. And once my opportunity came, I tried to take advantage of it. Yeah, just to roll through some of the numbers, uh, you might be able to recite them by heart, but maybe not. Uh, almost 5,000 rushing yards, I think 4,804 in your career. Um, you're still the 
program record holder in career rushing touchdowns with 66, including I think 30 during that, that junior year that oh, ended yeah. with a UMass title. Um, single season rushing yards, 1676, and then single season rushing touchdowns, like I said, the 30 in the UMass game. Um, I don't know if that UMass game maybe stands out. I know we'll probably talk about Michigan too, but um, you know, I think you guys go up, you're 21-17 with eight minutes or so left, and mm-hmm. there's a chance to to milk it away, and what do they do? They give it to you they ten times. <laughs> yep. What What do you remember about that drive, and um, just how that how you're able to close that championship run? I knew I wanted the ball because the linemen wanted the ball. You know, they wanted to run the ball, and the coaches believed in me. They gave me opportunity, and I took advantage of it. Everyone did their job, and we finished and executed. Do you remember much about like any specific plays on that drive, or just like? Yeah, this is starting to roll and the confidence you had. I remember the last first down we had to get. It was like third and six, and we called an inside dive. I think it was like 40. So, you know, the quarterback hikes the ball. He puts it in my hand, and it's like everything that could happen wrong was happening. (laughs) And out of nowhere, you know, I just got, you know, God bless talents or I don't know what happened. Something took over, and we was able to squeak it out, and that was it. It finished the game. So yeah, almost six or seven minutes later, uh, Kevin scores the clinching touchdown. They go up by 11. There's only two minutes left. I think Corey maybe clinched it with an, with an interception, but took away the chance there with the <laughs> clock-eating drive. Um, then you start the next year, 2007, Big House, Michigan. There's a picture we have that I'm sure everybody has seen with you, you know, silencing the crowd with, with a finger to your face mask. <laughs> When you, when you see that picture, what what thoughts enter your mind? I remember when it happened, there was a fan just, man, he was talking so much. As the game was getting close, and once that field goal got blocked, I made sure to, uh, you know, look him in the eye and shut him up and <laughs> let him know we did it. Um, that was a great game. It took a lot of fight. I remember halftime, us being up, and Coach Moore saying, you about to get the best of the best right here. You know, and those guys came trying to knock the door down, but we stood up and, and finished it off with a victory. I mean, it's hard to probably have any stories from that day that haven't been unearthed or told. Are there oh, any yeah. kind of personal moments that you have that kind of pop in your memory that maybe, you know, it's not, you know, replaying the, the block field goal? A personal one for me, uh, I had got my ribs cracked that game. And I remember the guys asking me, can I go? And I remember, um, I think it was Coach Caldwell at the time. He was like, you'll never get to play Michigan again, you know. And it was my senior year, so, I, you know, I sucked it up and stayed in the game. I just remember that us having that fight and, you know, wanting to finish and just be together at all times. And, you know, that was just a standout moment for me. Yeah, if I remember correctly, that LR game, you know, the next time you guys come back, some mm-hmm. some people missed the game, some people were hurt of just what, mm-hmm. the, what the toll that that game took on a lot of you guys. I guess it was a worth worthwhile trade-off. Oh, yeah, it was worth it. It was worth it. It didn't count, but it felt good to win it. It didn't count as far as the championship, you know. When you look at this picture, I don't know if – do you have copies of it? Has, what's, do you have any fun stories of like people showing you the picture, mailing it to you, or how, how is this picture kind of still made an impact in your life, or is it still present in your life in some ways? Um, I have probably two or three of them. I never really received a magazine with it in it. <laughs> That's crazy. But uh, other than that, nah, just um, you know us showing up and doing our job and taking care of business when we had to. What are some of the, I mean, it's probably about the people, not as much about, you know, the wins and losses sometimes. Mm-hmm. What are some of the best memories you have of whether it's Coach Moore and his staff, I know you and Coach Spear were close, or even some of your teammates, or what are some of the best times that come to mind when you think about that run? My man Pierre, man. <laughs> Me and him, we would be in the locker room just clowning each other and, you know, just talking about each other, just joking, you know, when everyone else was serious. 
you know, that was our way of prepping ourselves. And, you know, those were fun times. You know, you don't you don't sit back and think about it till it's over. But, you know, it was cool to do that, you know, and actually go out and perform and do what we had to do to try to be the best. I think the, the knock on you, obviously, mm-hmm. people thought you might be too small, all yeah. those things that you've heard all your entire life. What, when you look back on why you were able to succeed and mm-hmm. what kind of chip that put on your shoulder, why do you think that didn't play a big role in really like limiting you or that you were able to overcome some of those things? It's all about the heart, you know, that a person have in them. You know, I know, you know, that w- people are capable of anything. You just have to put your mind to it and grind and go get it, you know, and that's the mentality I took then, and that's still the mentality I take now. As you moved on from App State, uh, just kind of get us up to date on you know some of the things that have happened. I mean, that's you know 14, 14 years ago. I guess we are getting older. Just yeah. what, what's life been like for you since then? It's been good. I got to play in traffic a little bit. I um had a little career, had a career in NASCAR. I got to do pit stops. Got to meet a lot of cool people. Um, I have a new kid. I have a wife. You know. I'm, just living life and trying to enjoy it. And I know, I think it was Coach Spear. I think maybe your family had some racing background in Eastern North Carolina. Coach, oh, Coach Spear, yeah. He introduced me to NASCAR. He was a big NASCAR fan. And he's um, he was from Kannapolis, you know, where it all kind of started. That's where I live at now. But uh, he told me that NASCAR were looking for athletes. And so he, I said, why not, you know. So I went and gave it a shot, and it happened to be a career for me for a while. When, when you were doing that, um, I feel like I've read some stories of people just talk about the work ethic that you brought to that, just like you brought to football. Is that, is that kind of the mentality, whether it's playing football, whatever career your path you're on, yeah. that you know, I think I read that there were surveillance cameras, they could see that you stayed after and were like out the parking lot working. It's just, yeah. is that kind of, where did that work ethic come from for you? I really don't know, man. I just try to be the best I can at everything. You know, Every day I wake up, I want to learn something. I want to grow. So, you know, I feel trying to learn whatever you're a part of and learning all parts of it is growth. You start to get better with it, and eventually, you know, you want to become like a machine. Talk about now your, your husband. <laughs> oh, <laughs> you're, man. Your wife's with us and uh, being a father. What, how is, what's that like now as you kind of move into, you know? It's awesome, man, um, especially watching them grow, you know. You think a few months ago they were crawling, now they're walking and bothering you and <laughs> tearing stuff up. But it's just cool to sit back and watch them grow and try to lead them the right way. When you think, if you're able to look back on your time at App, what are some what are some lessons that you feel like you, you learned here that you've kind of taken with you into, you know, whether it's work or just, you know, mm-hmm. being a father, being being a husband, the, some lessons you learned in college and from some of the people you learned those from? Uh, Coach Moore, man, he was a big, you know, big family man. He, uh believed in doing the right thing and you know a lot of my teammates were the same way they believed in doing the right thing and so I try to live life that way do the right thing when you look back is there whether you know we've talked about the UMass game the Michigan mm-hmm. game is there is there a memory that just jumps to mind or a play that that maybe we haven't even talked about yet that, that you think about I was showing the kids a little highlight reels the other day all of them are pretty cool you know just all the memories there's not one in particular I would say other than winning the championships, you know, that was those were great. But other than that, it's, you know. What stood out about those teams that allowed you guys to excel on such a high level with, you know, talented individuals that were able to make, bring all that together and succeed? Just a work ethic and, you know, one band, one sound. You know, that's kind of what we were. We was like a well-loved machine. Once we all were rolling, it was hard to stop us. 
And now we're when we're at Kid Brewer, <laughs> Owens Fieldhouse is gone. What's it What's it like to now see see what that end of the stadium looks like? Man, like an NFL t- stadium. <laughs> this is awesome. I can't wait to uh, come see the guys play. Well, Kevin, I appreciate your time and thanks for joining us today. <laughs> thanks for having me. I appreciate you. All right. I hope you guys enjoyed um, hearing from Kevin. You know, amazing numbers and. You know, Adam, before the interview talked, you talked about that, uh, you know, the run he had to seal the the Northern Iowa game. I had to ask him about that UMass, the end of that game, where just that that drive to, hey, App State's got the ball, like move the change, really wrap this up, and just he played such a big role in in closing down what was a really close game there to kind of remove any doubt and allow App State to celebrate again. Four touchdowns in that game from him, one of the one of the best games in, in a career where he had so many great games. Um, yeah, that guy, he was just he was just so much fun to watch because um, and and App has had at that position especially. How many times have we talked about guys like Jalen Moore and Darrington Evans and even Kevin Richardson, guys that just were kind of overlooked in their career because they were too small and you know didn't get a lot of looks as as running backs that could do something and make an impact. And Kevin was one of them, and and it's led to guys like Jalen Moore and Darrington Evans that that have been just not highly sought after, not highly recruited, but they get here. App believes in them, and then you know the culture takes a hold of them, and 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 they become legendary type players and and have performances like that UMass game that you're talking about. Before we get out of here today, we'll wrap up with a last one, best one segment, a little ode to to Angel Elderkin. So let's hit it up. My last one, best one for today. We'll go to App State men's golf. I know you had Jason Allison recently as a pregame mm-hmm. uh, guest on the on the radio show, and and his crew's doing good stuff in the in their fall schedule. Jake Lane. Two, first two October starts, two October wins, which I think have been 2017 since an App State men's golfer had won an individual tournament. Jake goes to the Radford, wins the Highlander invi- Invitational by one stroke, and then in a big field of 13 teams um, at Elon is a tri-medalist with, I think, golfers from Elon and North Carolina with a final round 65. So a lot of record-breaking stuff from Jake um, playing great golf, and, and Jason has those guys on, on a good foot as they kind of wrap up their fall schedule coming up soon. I'm going to go with App State Cross Country. You know, they're getting close to Sunbelt Championships down in Mobile, and we got a chance to visit with Mike Curcio on our pregame show. We, we always like – interviewing coaches around campus on our pregame show and getting the state of the program. You know, the men finished third in that one and the women actually placed first in their, um, in the high point vert cross, um, this past weekend. And so they they continue to rise in the regional rankings, coach Curcio and that, that club, they're always competitive, always going after conference championships from back in the Southern conference and now in the Sunbelt conference. And so, you know, I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing what they do here in just a little bit for, um, for for the Sun Belt title and and getting a chance maybe to get both maybe the men and the women but um you know to see the women's cross country team especially capture the title in that meet in in High Point just recently um, that gets my last one best one so yeah certainly a big football game coming up but a lot of exciting interesting things happening you know with with all the App State athletics and then as Doug Gillen mentioned. You know, the winter schedule's just around the corner Mm -hmm. with with basketball, wrestling, and and some of that stuff. So uh, we appreciate all of you listening to another episode of Ain't Nothing But an App State Podcast with uh, Manu, I'm not going to say better, different, just a new co-host. 
different. Okay, different. Better. We'll, we'll let we'll let the audience judge whether it's a better podcast experience or not. <laughs> um, I don't. I'm not going to bring the same musical flair as 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 Pierre does, especially with you. I mean, um, but uh, but I'll. I'll try to just, you know, bring in the, the sarcastic remarks and, and jokes every once in a while. That works for me. <laughs> so, everybody, thanks for listening, and we'll be back with you before too long. Hey, yes, you are officially rocking with the best. B.A., I see you, big fella. Y'all know my pedigree. Prodigal son. Some people just know bundling with Allstate means big savings. Just like they know the right ingredient means big flavor. They know honey on pizza is where it's at. And olive oil on ice cream is the cherry on top. And they know when you bundle home and auto with Allstate, you can save up to 25%. Mm -mm. Bundled savings vary by state and are not available in every state. Saving up to 25% is the countrywide average of the maximum available savings off the home policy. Allstate Vehicle and Property Insurance Company and Affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois.